0: Praise God. Amen. Would you stand if you're not standing, and you can stand? It is a privilege this morning for us to have Dr. Blash and Sister Blash in service with us today. Many of the ladies were at Ladies Conference, where he was the speaker. We are thrilled they're able to be with us today. They pastor in St. Louis, Missouri, and... uh, we are so thankful to be able for them to be with us this morning and then to be with the mother congregation tonight. So, Dr. Blash, welcome to Antioch, and it's so great to have you. Come and take your liberty this morning.
1: Well, praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated. I, uh, you know, you always want to have, um, the right thing to say to the place where you're going and you, well, I pray God, just give me the right words. And so, uh, sometimes you test the waters and I said, Lord, you know, I will know that I have the right message. If when I arrive, me and Bishop are dressed alike close enough. Or if Mother Wright and my wife are dressed similar, oh, what, what, what do you know? So, not messing with you. It's uh, it was a, a total accident that that happened, but I thought it was quite funny this morning, and uh, it's good to it's good to laugh. Man, there is healing power in laughter. There is. It's true, and uh, I enjoy having a good time. We we had such a wonderful time at the. Um, the ladies conference it was amazing if if you got to attend then what you experienced was no less than maybe 50 maybe 100 but just multiple opportunities to connect directly with god for yourself in a way that was life-changing if you missed it you missed something great and you owe it to yourself not to miss the next one it was wonderful and uh, that's a guy i have a story from there too there was well i'm kind of outing him i don't know where he goes to church but the wonderful young man that played the piano and uh he said there sure are a lot of ladies out there we were we we're backstage and i said they won't bite <laughs> i was lying but he didn't know that <laughs> sent the poor guy right out there but uh, it was it was wonderful we had a great time um and it was good to get to meet the bishop for the first time and spend time with mother Wright. that was awesome and uh, not only that but she was our transportation from the airport and that's wonderful wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> pastor, she says that's she says that's enough that means there's a story behind it sometime thank you pastor thank you to this great body my wife is over here to my left would you stand and just at least wave kind of do that there you go Um, she did such a wonderful job. Usually when I go places and we both speak, they say, can she come back? (laughs) And I'm like, sure, she can come back. Um, and so just such a great job. I should have, I should have inquired about what time I should be done preaching and I didn't. Um, but I have, I have seen enough of your videos online to know that if I go, you know, anything under two hours should be pretty good. (laughs) I'm just, just, I, I, I'm new, but I did my homework. <laughs> you already know this, so I don't have to say it. But I'll I will just for the record. If, you know, if if I take you down a road that's different than what your leadership takes you down, you need to ignore me and listen to them. But I don't plan to do that. But you just need to know that that's how it happens. Somebody said, "Amen." Amen. amen. Just beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for letting me be here. I um I don't I don't like tricks. I don't like gimmicks when I don't do games. I figure if you're going to do something, you may as well just tell people you're going to do it. See if they're okay with it. If they're not okay with it, make sure those who are in charge are okay with it and just do it. So if you're here and you're not as close to God as you need to be, you need to know I'm coming after you. Is that fair? right? I, I, I'm not going to bait you and trick you at the end. I'm just telling you right now, up front, this message is for you. <laughs> now, will just you stand with me? Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, uh, is where I will start reading and I will read uh, a few other verses, um, a little bit later. But before I, um, well, let me read First Samuel, chapter number 17, verse number 34, First Samuel 17 and 34. And David said unto Saul, "Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, verse 35. And I went after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Let me stop and pause there. I have given some testimonies at times, and people have come to me and said, that sounded simply unbelievable. I'm not saying you are lying, but that just doesn't even sound possible. That's how this sounds. Because there's nothing in me that wants to go chasing bears or lions And so listening to this, you've got to be wondering, wow, what is what is Saul thinking? Verse number 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. David said, moreover... The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. He was convincing enough in his conversation that Saul agreed to let him go and try it. I want to spend a few moments with you this morning talking about the paradox of choice. The paradox of choice now before we pray and if you can just stay standing with me for a few moments uh, I want to tell you a little story it's a true story um, there was a man who lived above the storefront where we first rented when we started our church we started our church as a home missions work me my wife and my five kids and um, and we we were in a storefront and the man upstairs was he was uh, mean he was disrespectful. Uh, he was grumpy. He was probably 60, maybe one or two. Um, ball head, s- just very strong, tall guy. I called him Grandpa. Um, Grandpa was a mess, and I would greet him, and he would just growl at me. i say, how you doing, neighbor? <sniffs> Thought, okay. One day I saw Grandpa, and I was going to win him one way or the other. I saw him working on his car. It was disgusting. He had that big round thing in the middle of the car, the middle of the uh, uh the uh, engine. He had that thing off. My specialty is the brain, not the car. So, yeah, it it, it was a brake or something. He had that thing off. And uh and and he was working in and it, and, and he didn't want to take a break, so he had his Chinese food right there with him, and it was sitting on something else—that square thing with with like cords hooked to it. It's the battery, I'm pretty sure. And, and and so, and he would spoon himself some 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 rice and keep working. And I thought that's disgusting. And then he got some of it on his hands, something or another. And he did this number, and he just kind of wiped his hands on himself and he kept working. And God said, "That's it right there. Anoint him with oil." And I thought, how am I going to do that? God, he hates me. And then it hit me. Wait till he leaves, get a bottle of oil, and cover it all over his door handle. And so I did it. I felt like I was either being led of God or something was leading me, so I did it. And I poured oil all over his door handle, and I waited for him to come home. I just waited and watched, and he came home. And he came home, and he touched his door handle, and he went, ooh. And I said, in the name of Jesus. so we got him anointed with olive oil that was, that was you got to get it done how you got to get it done <laughs> some of y'all wondering what that wet stuff you touch was today <laughs> told you I'm coming after you <laughs> and, uh, and so that was, uh, that was maybe a Saturday I think it was a Saturday and uh, on Sunday morning on Sunday morning he showed up in our service and the man was clean he looked good he had on a suit, he had on a smile, he walked through the front doors, and I said, what are you doing here? (laughs) I know I got to learn to greet people better than that. (laughs) I said, what are you doing here? He said, preacher, last night, I had a dream. He said, I don't care nothing about you. I don't care nothing about church. He said, but I had a dream last night, and I know that it was God and God told me I need to get myself downstairs and listen to what that preacher has to say. He said, so I found my suit. I cleaned up and preacher, I'm here to listen to what you have to say. I'm trying to tell you that God begins to change the heart of man and it's only God. Grandpa knew we were coming after him. But he, he misunderstood that it would be a man thing. It's not a man thing. It's the spirit of the living God that will change your mind. I'm telling you, I feel that spirit here, and it's going to speak to you in the way that you need to be spoken to. It's going to convict you in the way that you need to be touched. I feel that right now in the name of Jesus. It's the love of God that draws men unto him. And that love is so powerful. Man, and you're in it, and you can't escape it. If you walked out right now, these words would echo through your head. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him should be. Saved should not be, should not perish, but be saved. It's going to echo through your head, and God's going to do a great work in your life, and it's going to start right now. Lift your hands with me, Father. There are some here, God, who you've already spoken to by your spirit. Maybe nobody anointed them with oil, God. Maybe, God, nobody laid hands on them, but your spirit somehow has already moved them, God. Nobody comes this close, God, unless they are drawn, God. And so you've already begun the process of drawing them, God. The music, God, the songs this morning, God, talked about Jesus, and that name is so powerful and that name God has already established the appetite God in somebody's heart for more of you oh God and I ask in the name of Jesus that you would just move mightily upon us give us God more 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 of you in Jesus name you can be seated I um I have a son, Daniel, um, I have five children. My wife did that <laughs> quite literally. She did the work. I think it was you that said something like we had very little to do with that. <laughs> my wife did that. And, uh, one of my sons is, is a very gifted young man, just a talented musician. And, um, God put something in him that my son didn't even know was happening to him. Um, My wife is from Germany. I rescued her from Germany and brought her to this great United States. And um, she loves Handel's Messiah. As a matter of fact, we have at least four versions of Handel's Messiah in our house. We've got... In, in a couple of different languages, I think. We've got just a very pure Handel's Messiah. Handel's Messiah concludes with the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got that version. We've got a more operic version. We've got a, a version, I think, that was done by maybe Brooklyn Tabernacle, and you can just tell the choir is swaying, and they go, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think there's some bebopping in the back. hallelujah. Yeah, you know they're doing their thing, and, and, and I mean, just and we got several versions of this, and it's amazing. And when my wife was pregnant with Daniel, she she wanted to hear Handel's Messiah over and over and over again. It just played almost nonstop, morning to night. And then, of course, when she was in the hospital and she was about to give birth, or maybe just had, she asked that I would bring her Walkman. Google that if you don't know what it is to the hospital and so she could put in the, the tape and she could hear Handel's Messiah and so I was so sick and tired of Handel's Messiah that I, I banned it from my house for two years I said there will be no more Handel's Messiah in this house I'm just I've had enough of it let's listen to something different and so it was about two years later my son Daniel is now two he's a very, uh, uh, very quiet very mild child he was never really loud and rambunctious wouldn't get into things and so Handel's Messiah is now playing for the very first time in my house since, well, since he was in, in vitro, and um, and he's on the couch, and he's he's drawing in a coloring book, very, very quiet, and the entire uh, thing gets through, and it gets to the hallelujah course, and my son Daniel throws down, he puts down his, his coloring book, he stands on the couch, and jumps from the couch to the floor like this, throws his hands out and says, hallelujah, hallelujah, on key, on key beat hallelujah 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 he modulates hallelujah i'm going whoa what is that i'm like somebody get the recorder get the recording back in the day you know you know we're trying to get this recorded because i couldn't believe it he had never heard the song outside the womb and now he's outside the womb and he can hear it and he's able, it, something is clicking. You know, something, there's that kind of like, whoa, I remember this. What did I learn this? It's clicking. And when he opens his mouth and he puts words, it comes out, and it comes out as if he's always known it all his life. I want to connect that story with another true story. I have a co-worker. We haven't worked together in years, but when we did, she would come to church, and she came two or three times. And finally she said to me, she said, uh, I have to tell you something. She says, I don't, I don't like your church. I said, it's all right. We don't like you much either. <laughs> I didn't say that. She, I said, well, what, 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 what is it? Are the people not nice? Oh, no, no, they're wonderful. Then what is it? She says, I do fine through life. But I pull up to your church driveway and suddenly I feel sad. I sit in your services. She says, and I'm not depressed, but my I just start crying. She says, and the whole time, no matter what you all are doing, even when you're having fun, I can't stop the tears. They just keep rolling, and they don't kind of shut off until I'm a distance away from your building. And I said, well, now that's weird, don't you think? She says, yes. I said, have you ever felt that way before? She said, yes. Said, when? When I was a little girl and my grandmother would pray, I remember feeling that feeling. She couldn't put religious words to it. She didn't have a title. She couldn't call it anointing or God's glory or God's presence. But let me tell you, I knew exactly what it was. She hadn't touched it in a long time, but it was somehow in her. And then when she got into the presence of God, it's as if somehow that thing that was always there was coming awake. Her flesh fought To keep it down. And so she didn't want to come to our church. But when she came, that thing would wake up again. And it would try to reach God. And she was so stubborn. She wouldn't open her mouth and give words to it. So her eyes simply did the work. And she cried out to God without opening her mouth and actually doing it. I'm going to say it one more time. There's somebody here this morning and really you don't need me to preach you a long sermon because God's already been dealing with you. But there is something more than my words that are here present today. The anointing of God, the spirit of God and the power of God that draws men is simply irresistible. <laughs> Lift your hands with me, would you? Precious God, it's not for those who are whole, but I'm praying. It's not for those who are well, that I'm calling on the name of this great physician. God, it's for those who are broken. It's for those who are confused. It's for those who are in the middle of a decision to serve you. God, it's for those whose heart is crying out but their lifestyle does not match up and there's a struggle going on on the inside, God. It's for that person, God. And even if it's only one person in this Building, oh God, then that's the person I'm praying for right now. It was a good decision for them to show up this morning. It was a good decision, God, for them to participate in the worship, oh God. And it all laid the groundwork for what you will do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. First Samuel chapter 17. Um, David gives an account. I wouldn't have had this testimony, I don't think. Maybe I would have. People that start churches for a living probably would go do something like this, but I don't think I would. And he had the testimony of going after a lion and going after a bear, but there was a choice. There was decision, and what he was trying to do was he was trying to convince Saul why it was not a bad idea to lose him on this giant. But he had made some choices before this big choice. And I want to talk about that paradox of choice. There there are many times throughout the Bible when God gives us choices Actually, you can think about the Bible as a large narrative that ultimately has to, it begs for a decision. You have to make a choice. You can think about the entire Bible that way. And it amazes me about God. Why would he give us a choice? I mean, really think about this. Anybody in here ever made bad decisions? Three of us. Oh, okay. I said most of us. We're prone to it. Why would a perfect God give such a big choice into the hands of people who are prone to choose wrong? That's my big question for God. I've got about eight of them. That's going to be two or three on the list. Why didn't you just tell us to do it, command us to do it, and put something in us that would instinctively respond to that command? Why did you give this messed up world the choice to serve you or not so in the end of the story at the end of the day if you serve him it's because you chose to it's not because someone forced you or twisted your arm it's because you chose to it wasn't a religious uh uh, thing it was a personal decision You chose to serve him. And at the end of the day, if you don't serve him, you chose not to. It wasn't the church's fault. It wasn't your parents' fault. It wasn't anyone else's fault. at the end of the day, you look in the mirror and you say, I made this choice. And people have asked me, they said, does it get easier over the years? And my answer is yes and no. Yes, because faith tells you that God who kept you today will keep you tomorrow. And the more examples you have of that, the more confidence you have in God. And so you do build a certain momentum. But know in that there is no tenure in God. You've got to wake up every morning and make that decision. I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to give myself to you, Lord. And if you choose to, after 30 or 40 or 50 years, you can walk away from it, all oh, and make a really bad decision, but it's going to be your choice. Oh, and if you choose that pathway, and just before your last breath or before the days, your days are over, you can also choose to turn around and come back home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost helping us now boy, I really, I really, really promise you I had every intention on keeping this to about 30 minutes or 40 minutes and so on. My goodness, I can't even get started. It's been that way all weekend. But, but can I just say something? I mean, I don't know anything about you except for your, uh, your audiovisual and your technology ministry and all the stuff I can get offline. All the bas- basically all the notes I keep stealing from myself. I'm teasing, I don't do that. But you can't pick and choose who gets to come into the kingdom. No, no. Folks can turn around at any moment. If they walk away from it all, and you stay on the straight and narrow, you can't stand at the door and say to them, you can't come back in because you've not been as faithful as I have. I'm telling you, folks can turn around at any point. If you're on the wrong pathway, turn around, and you ought to be welcome here. I, I wish you would have never left, but if you left, I really wish you would come back home. You're welcome here. If you've walked your own walk for 50 years, 60 years, and never acknowledged God, you're welcome here. It's your choice. It's your choice. And the church can't choose for you. It's the preacher's job to help you rightly choose. And so the word of the Lord goes forth that you might receive it. I wish it were just that simple, though. I I said that as if there's no no opposing force. (laughs) But there's an opposing force. On the spiritual level and on the natural level, and on the spiritual level, we have great authority. But on the natural level, there are some things you've got to work through yourself, and they challenge us. I want to give you three very, very quick examples, and then I'll, I'll preach a little bit if I can. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 13 through 15, Deuteronomy 11, 23 through 28. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 19. It's a lot of scriptures. I'm going to go through those again and uh, slower. Joshua 24, 13 through 15. Deuteronomy chapter 11, 23 through 28. And Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 15 through verse number 19. Joshua chapter 24 is probably one of the most popular or, or uh, well-known of these three passages. It's it's a choice given to God's people. Verse number 13 says, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which ye build not, and ye dwell in them, and of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do you eat. Now watch the setup here. You see what's happening, right? God is saying, let me tell you what I did for you. Because I'm about to ask you to make a decision. No, you need to know that's what's happening here. He is setting you up on purpose. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Rather the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. More than the context of this scripture, I want you to see that The Bible clearly gave them many good reasons to choose rightly or to rightly choose. And then God said, I want you to make a choice. Now that's important. It's very important. Deuteronomy chapter number 11, verse number 23, reading through 28. Listen to this again. Watch the formula. Then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, And ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the sole of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall be no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon. And he, as he has said unto you, verse 26, behold, here's, here's the decision now. I have set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you this day and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I commanded you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. So the, the formula, again, is here are the promises of God. Here's what God is going to do for you. Now I want you to make a choice. Given what you just heard, I want you to make a choice. You see the formula, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death, and evil, and that I commanded thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And thy Lord thy God shall bless thee in a land whither thou goest to possess it. Verse number 17. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce you this day that ye shall surely perish and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whether thou passest over Jordan to go possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, you see the decision, therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live in all those scenarios, and many, many, many more, there's a setup, and God is saying, I love you, I will be good to you, I will care for you, now choose me. But the setup is pretty much the same. Here's a paradox of choice. The human brain never sleeps. It's always open to suggestions. Yeah, when you measure brain waves, they're very, very consistent. You may be snoring, but your brain is very alert. Your body sleeps, your brain really never does. The human brain has enough capacity to start recording information when you're in the womb. And continue recording nonstop until you take your last breath. And then give you the ability to recount all of it, if needed. Everything you hear, experience, it all gets recorded, even if you hear it in your sleep. I yelled at a person one time. I didn't mean to. I really didn't mean to. I can think of two times in these years of pastoring that I've yelled at a saint, just two. And it was a mistake. It was an accident. Poor lady came in and she was trying to, Talk to me about being exhausted, and and her her job is just so consuming that when she gets home she can't rest. She had she's not had the Holy Ghost yet and been around the church for a couple years and just struggling. And she said, Pastor, when I when I get home, I just sit on my couch. I just turn on the television, and in about three hours I fall asleep. And I it just came out of me. I don't know how. I said, No don't do that. And it startled her and startled me. I, I said, your, your brain is recording every single thing that's coming out of that television. And because you're sleeping or almost sleeping you're almost in this hypnotic state and it's recording it without the filters of morality that you would normally apply if you were awake you can't afford to feed your brain that every single night an hour of church can't compete against that an hour of church when you're debating if everything i'm telling you is right versus three hours of opening yourself up to non-stop whatever God, we need that the other way around. We need folks to come to church and say, God, I'm wide open. But then when you leave this house, that's when you need to turn your filters on and figure out what you ought to and ought not to hear. Poor thing, her, her brain was recording all that stuff, undermining anything I was teaching or preaching. Anything she was reading in the Word of God was being eroded away. And so I... Calm down and said, "I didn't mean to yell, but this is important." She says, "I gathered." <laughs> she says, "What do I do?" Well, if I was at home, I'd tell you what I told her, but I'm not. It was uh, it was easy. You your the the human brain, for people who are above age eighteen, thinks about fifty thousand conscious thoughts every single day. And 200 thoughts enter in subconsciously. That's four times as much. And those 200,000 thoughts inform our knee-jerk or our very quick reactions. Think about a commercial that's, what, 30 seconds and costs, what, couple million dollars depending upon what season it is and how much information is packed into that and how much is design has gone into that to get your brain to believe whatever they're telling you. I go back to the book of Genesis and I think about Eve and her only source of information that countered or contradicted God was the devil. She just had the devil. She didn't have media, she didn't have television, she didn't have internet, just the devil and she was confused in a matter of moments. Choice. Somebody said choice. It's so important that we think about the right things because what you think about that ultimately impacts how you choose. Do you know why we sing songs about Jesus? Why we take time to invite you into his presence? Because ultimately we're going to ask you to choose him. We know that it helps if you think about him first. You know why sometimes you come in and you battle it, even though the worship is there and the music is there and the praise is there, there's still something nagging at your mind. It's battling you over your next decision. Because what you think about is going to impact how you choose. It's the paradox of choice. It's not as linear and as simple as you might think. Finally, brother, in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8 and 9 what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, And the God of peace shall be with you. That, my friend, is a formula. Not just that you would keep your mind pure. Not that just you would keep your mind healthy. But if you think on those things, it's going to influence how you choose. And life is all about choices. If you learn about how choices really happen you will be very concerned about where you let your thoughts go. We have internet in our home, and um, our provider happens to be charter, not a commercial for or against them. Uh, we chose them just simply because after hours and hours of consumer research, well, they were cheaper. So <laughs> The problem with our home is we only have internet. We don't have our phone through them. We don't have cable television through them. And they recognize that we're paying more money than we have to if we would bundle our services. And so they call me every six months. The conversation sounds like this. Mr. Blash, we know that you are just a very conscientious consumer and that saving money is important to you. They got me so far, so good. I'm agreeing. And we have recognized in our records that um, your current package is not our best package. We know you want to save money and we want to help you. So far, so good. So Mr. Blash, here's what we would like to do. We would like to offer you cable, and Mr. Blash, it would open you up to 50 gazillion channels. Our premium package would be free for the next three months. Now, you've you got to understand, I crack myself up. So this is about to become entertainment for me. This is all the entertainment I need. It's just your phone calls every three months because we're going to have a good time. And so, Mr. Blash, wouldn't you enjoy that? I say, no, I'm already funny enough. I don't need any more entertainment. Mr. Blash, I understand. So instead of that $50 I just quoted you, and you're paying 80 right now, may I remind you, Mr. Blash, but for the next three months at a special rate of $40, you cannot just have the premium. You can have the super-duper deluxe premium. And I said, Well, wow, that sounds cool. Here's my question to you. What happens in three months? They said, well, Mr. Blash, for your convenience, we will call you in three months and give you an opportunity to tell us how you would like to tailor your future business with us. Because you have choices. No, they, they don't have, they have no clue what they're talking to. Let me translate for you what they just said. Give us three months to wet your appetite and to establish your taste buds and then after 90 days of teaching you what tastes good, We're going to ask you, do you want more of it? Oh, the paradox of choice is choice has never been about options. It's always been about appetite. Watch it. You know this. You, you eat a big meal. I mean, you just fill up to the max. You eat your favorite foods. And you, but there, nobody brought dessert. And somebody says, well, there's a buffet down the street, man. They got the best food and some of the best desserts in town. It's reasonable. Why don't we go there? You go into that buffet and They've got prime rib for you meat eaters. God help you. They got prime rib and they got good grilled veggies for the rest of us who don't eat meat. And they got all this stuff. And I mean, just, just, they got a thousand items for you to pick from. You walk past all of it because all you're hungry for, the only thing you have appetite for is dessert because you already ate the other stuff. It's not about choice. It's not about selection. It's about Appetite. All you have an appetite for at that point is dessert. One of the reasons I got so disturbed in my spirit when that young lady told me that she lets that television run for hours is I knew that beyond cluttering her mind with garbage, it was also dick her appetite and it would not leave her hungry for the things of God it will leave her hungry for the things of this world the reason some of you are drawn to God right now is because he's been sprinkling his presence in your life he's been building appetite and now that there are many things you can do he says but I put some appetite on the inside of you now choose me and you become hungry for him I'm not close to done, but would you stand with me right now and lift your hands toward God and somebody begin to praise him. Hallelujah. What you've got to understand is the more of God you get, the more of God you want. It's the nature of appetite. listen to this Charter has Charter spends in all those companies they spend millions and millions and millions researching people so they knew three months was a magical time they knew that I thought we can use that thank you Charter for your research because what they basically said is if you will give yourself three months to consume a thing On that 91st day, all you need now is an invitation because your appetite has already been developed and firmly established. If all that is right and what I'm feeling right now is accurate, that means there's people in this place and God's been dealing with you for a while now. You're going, ouch, I feel convicted. Ooh man, every month or so, something hits me that makes me feel a little convicted. What's that? And oh man, suddenly I'm not so interested in what's that? And it's God building an appetite for this service, building an appetite for His Word. He's trying to change what you really desire. Until you desire more of Him, please don't be offended you can't feast on confusion and then expect to pick clarity. You keep picking wrong because if you feast on confusion and clarity is offered, it seems ridiculous. The only thing that makes sense to you to do is pick more confusion. But the word of God has no confusion in it. His word, his love, it's without error. It's without a shadow of variance. It's perfectly aligned all the time. And so the word of God, it dispels confusion. If you stay in that presence long enough, I feel it right now. My God in heaven, you can't can't feast on sin and then be expected to pick holiness. But if you feast on the things of God, Oh, blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. There is something on the inside of you that will want more of it, and it will be unquenchable. Watch this, and I'm going to conclude here in a moment. Your brain, the human brain's amazing it's so amazing. We don't even understand most of it. And the part we understand is amazing. Your brain adjusts so quickly to what you introduce to it and what you feed it. It begins to adjust so quickly to that thing. And that your brain looks for connections. Looks for things that make sense. That match your experience. This is why... Well, this is why when when you don't pray throughout the week it seems like it's harder to connect with the message on Sunday because your, your brain is searching, it's listening to that word your brain is hearing that word and it's searching throughout the week to find connect points, comes up empty and then you go well wow service just wasn't that great for me it's not the preaching it's not the service, it's your appetite it's what you've been eating all week. It's messing you up. But watch this. It's Monday and you're praying and you just feel something in the Lord, just some small thing, maybe about healing. And You know, you, you're not praying for healing, but you just feel that small thing. And so you just kind of go with it. And Lord, I thank you for talking to me about healing. Lord, I don't know why I even feel this, but God, if I, if I run across somebody this week, then, then thank you, Jesus, I'll pray for them. I'll keep my O handy. And so, it's Wednesday, and you're praying again, and you open your Bible, and you you read this narrative, and there's a healing there. You're like, "Wow, God, that's 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 amazing, Lord." God, are you trying to speak to me? I'm not trying to make stuff up that's not there, but Lord, now this is twice. God, if there's somebody in my environment, and then you get to church on Sunday, and right in middle of a, a, a message about tithing, preacher stops and says, "God just spoke to me." And he wants to do a healing. He wants to lose somebody into a healing ministry. And your brain goes, got it, got it, got it. That's me, confirmation. Why? You've been feasting on that all week long. So now you know that word was for you. And you put your hands up in the air and you say, God, use these hands. Use this body. Take me, God. And before long, you've launched yourself into a ministry that you didn't even know could exist for you. Whereas your neighbor missed it totally. I can lay out 10,000 benefits of why you should live for God. Tonight, I'm going to lay out some of them. I can lay out 10,000 benefits of why you need to live for God. It's not about choices, though. It's about appetite. And so David, David gets to the battlefield and he looks out and and there's, there's Goliath and everybody's terrified of Goliath. Rightly so. He's going to rip your head off. (sighs) I don't know what they've been feasting on, but David's been feasting on some scenarios that seemed impossible, unlikely. But instead of running away from it, he found himself running toward it. God, what was that about? I couldn't see that coming, Lord, but wow, something just came on me and I did it. Whoo! Another time, whoa, where'd that come from? Just came on me and I did it. You're good, God. I'm learning so much about you. And he steps out and he hears Goliath and there's a connection there and almost instinctually something comes upon him and he wants to run and he's got to explain it to the people around him. Because they don't understand what's going on. He's been feasting on this supernatural stuff. And this right here is just another example of it. I want you to do something with me. I promise you this will work. The word of God will govern your behaviors if you, let your, if you submit yourself to it. But it's the spirit of God that governs your desires. you got to submit yourself to that too. I want you to lift your hands with me. We're going to pray for about 30 seconds, and I'm going to ask you to come. And I don't even know what your tradition is to do here. But we'll figure it out. Precious God, pray pray with me like this, Lord. Lord, help somebody right now who's making a decision. God, they've been troubled in their spirit because they're not where they need to be with you. They're not as close, God, as they need to be to you, God. And they've been troubled in their spirit, oh God. And now, Lord, right now, God, there's a battle. There's a fight going on, God. But you, God, you're able to dictate our desires if we yield ourselves to you. So come on, hands lifted up all across the place. There you go, there you go, hands lifted up all across the place. Precious God, I surrender myself to you. If you do this long enough, something is going to connect. Come on, something is going to connect. If you do this long enough and you stay in that presence long enough, the desires of your heart, they'll begin to lean toward God. Oh, God, I can sense where you've been dealing with me, God, this week, this month, this year. And I won't run away from it anymore. I won't fight you anymore, God. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and run to you, Jesus. Run to you, Jesus. Come on if it's your tradition here, maybe find somebody to the left or to the right of you and invite them to the altar. Go ahead and just ask them. Say, hey, come, would you come pray with me right now? Would you come pray with me right now? Give them a chance to say yes or no. Would you Would you come pray with me right now? Come on, there's somebody standing there waiting for you to go to them and, and they may not have the courage to come by themselves, but if, if you go ask them, What you don't know is God's been dealing with them about getting to where they ought to be with Him. God's been dealing with them about their place in the body. He's been helping them, bringing them to this moment in this service where He would then ask them to choose Him. Come on, friend. Even if no one comes up to you and if no one grabs your hand but you feel moved upon by God, would you come? And then would you choose ye this day who you will serve? But before you make that choice, you need to know he's been so good. He gave you the breath to get up this morning. He's been so good. He gave you your right mind to get dressed this morning. He's been so good. He let you choose him. Come on, you've been in this service and those, those tears just keep flowing down. That's not just raw emotion. That's the Spirit of God trying to reach you. Lift your hands, lift your voice and respond to it. I want more of you, God. If nothing else, God, baptize me with desire for you. me, God, about what I eat through the week. I need more of you, Jesus.